So, uh, so I was sitting uh, this afternoon or this evening uh, with my son. We were watching uh, uh, Brave on uh, Disney Plus, and just sitting there, like, wait, and, and I was making dinner. And so I was just, he was sitting in his. He has a little uh, fold-up chair that sits next to the. That he puts next to our coffee table. And he puts his like water glass on the coffee table. It's like coffee table is like the perfect height. And he's like can jump in the chair himself and all that. It's great. Uh, but we're sitting there. I'm sitting on the couch. He's sitting in his chair. All of a sudden, I hear a, a, like a fart. And he <laughs> turns. He turns and looks at me and just starts fucking laughing his ass off. The kid is 20 months old. <laughs> like, so moral of the story, farts are fucking funny. If anybody tries to tell you farts aren't funny, um, I have words for you. A 20-month-old knows that a fart is fucking funny. Nurture versus nature wins again. <laughs> yes, yes. Crew Dan, how's it going, Dan? I'm racking out. How about you? As I'm taking a sip of my NA beer, uh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Uh, MJ, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, my stomach is very very satisfied, so that's always a, a bonus. That's good. That's good. Um, a, uh, do you guys have to do anything fun this weekend? I I I worked on a bicycle, so that's fun. Cool. I uh, played, let's see, six hours of D&D for a friend's birthday. That was, uh, that was pretty rad. <laughs> right on. Uh, cool. Well, let's jump in. We have a lot to talk about. Um, we have some big questions that we want to discuss um, and uh, some things we need to uh, talk about with this, with this team. Uh, but first off, uh, if you're not a Patreon, we had someone sign up last week. Thank you. Uh, I believe it was Nick who signed up uh, for the Patreon podcast. Uh, thank you. Really appreciate it. If you haven't signed up, uh, patreon.com slash the days I know. We literally, Dan and I, just before we recorded this podcast, we recorded a very quick, uh, about a 20, 20 minute uh, EPL sort of, you know, review 328, 338th of the, of the way through the season. Who's going to win everything? Who's going to lose everything? Uh, spoiler MJ, Everton is not winning anything, um, according to the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Surprise, surprise. We had, uh, we, had, we, had, we actually had very nice words for, for Everton, MJ. You will, you will be, you'll be very, you'll be very pleasantly surprised when you listen to it. So, um, so I, I Patreon, will, most likely. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the names I know to help support the names that you know. We're also, um, if you uh, follow hop, follow hop clubs on Twitter, please. They, uh, work with us for the beer. Um, apparently they have come up with a name for the, the, the names I know beer. Uh, they gave some clues to it. I don't know. I don't even know what the name is. I can probably guess based on what the clues Hop Clouds provided. Um, but uh, yeah, follow Hop, at Hop Clouds on Twitter for for that. 
and we're gonna figure out we're gonna get that beer uh, out sometime soon. Hopefully, hopefully here in the next in the next uh, month or so. So uh, if you want to get involved in that and get some get some beer as part of your Patreon uh, subscription, Patreon.com/slash the names I know and help support the names that you know. All right, two game week midweek on Wednesday we had the Columbus Crew. We were in Columbus for this match. Um, Minnesota played a four two three one with uh, lots of changes. Uh, Aha came in for Debassi. Hayes came in for Greg Goose, who was on a red, you know, was on a red card suspension. Chacon played on the left, uh, and Alvin, uh, Kai Kamara got the start up top. Four two three one. It was not great. Uh, not a great match for Minnesota. Thirty uh, first minute uh, gave up a goal to uh, Lucas Zellerian. Um an amazing assist by uh, Pablo Sanch. Um, and a diving header by Zella Ryan, which uh, uh, I was actually watching the match with Neil Logan, uh, of all people, who the him oh. of the, uh, diving header fame. Uh, and it I was, was just going to uh, name drop him. I'm so glad you, you, you was there in person. Yes, he was. He was great. It was great. Unfortunately, it was against us, which, uh, which kind of sucked. Well, uh, he's 40... not going to yell it with the same amount of enthusiasm. He did not. Yeah, you are right. He did not. Uh, in the 45th minute, uh, the next an extra time or stoppage time in the 45th minute, uh, Gasper uh, concedes a penalty to Luis, Luis Diaz. And then uh, in the 45th minute, plus two, Dane St. Clair completes his fourth miracle. Um, this miracle was not an actual save, but it was willing the bar, willing a ball over the bar. Uh, Lucas Zellerian just skies, just skies a penalty. Um, and gives Minnesota some hope and some life going into the match at halftime, only down one nothing to the Columbus Crew. Um, very quickly, did you guys have any thoughts on that on that first half about how Minnesota United played? It's poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. The fact that you, the fact that United went in down one nothing, it should have been two nothing if Zellerion had not gotten his full bias to go on. Um, but it easily could have been two three. Maybe yeah. not four, but it, they gave up some really, really good scoring chances in that in that game. And and Dane looked he looked great all game. He looked even better in the first half than he did in the second. Yeah, MJ, just that the, the, they got balls serviced on the pitch in into the six yard box with chances that went wide, went high. You know, sometimes we had a defender that was that was there. More often, Dane St. Clair made a made a good save. Yep. So um, second half started um, in the 50th minute. Aha gets a really stupid, not even a tactical yellow card uh, for a really bad fucking foul on Jossie Zardes. Zardes, you know, there's a ball over the top. Jossie Zardes sees that Aha is not really looking at the ball. It just runs right at at uh, at Aha, and Aha just you know does this, a shimmy, um, kind of puts his body into him, gets a yellow card. And misses the therefore he will miss he misses the match on Sunday. Minnesota um, was already very low on uh, on depth at center back. Uh, put uh, put them in a precarious position for the rest of the, for, of this match, as well as for the game on Sunday. In the 65th minute, uh, Zellerian clanged one off the post. Um, Dane Sinclair made a save on a rebound, which was great. Um, Dane Sinclair was the uh, we'll we'll talk about him in a second. Was easily the star of this match for Minnesota United. Minnesota made their first sub uh, uh, the 69th minute, which is very nice. Uh, Raheem Edwards came in for Thomas Chacon. Again, Thomas Chacon started on the left, did not really do much in the first half. He looked very, very invisible. He was playing, he was playing very deep, um, really playing, trying to play more defense. Um, definitely the second half, he looked a lot more lively, was given a lot more uh, rain to, uh, to make some runs and to, to try and work with Reynoso. But it was too little too late. Uh, Raheem Edwards came on. 
not a minute later, uh, Pedro Sancho uh, scores uh, to make it 2 nothing to Columbus. A minute after that, um, in two minutes after he made his first sub, he makes a second sub. His second, only a second sub of the match. Uh, they only made two subs in the entire match. Uh, uh, Aaron Schofield came on for Kai Kamara up top. So it was down two nothing. Uh, Minnesota. This is at this point is when Minnesota actually turned on the, put the pedal on the metal and actually was was trying to create some chances for the last, I would say 10, 15 minutes or so. Actually, Minnesota looked decent. They did get a goal. Uh, Robin Lude uh, with a kind of a uh, great goal, uh, assisted by Chase Gasper, make it two one. And then in the ninetieth, uh, uh, Minnesota had a goal. It was disallowed. Uh, aha! Offside by a, a pinky toe, apparently. Um, so Minnesota looked a lot more lively in the second half of the second half and, and primarily like the last like sort of 15 minutes of the second half. But all in all, it was a pretty, pretty drab affair for Minnesota. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much how things worked out for that match. Any, any other additional thoughts on the second half or the game overall from the Columbus crew? Dan? They looked like they had a plan and could execute it. The crew did, yeah. Yeah, uh, they dealt with a an early injury, uh, brought in Seb Berhalter, and didn't miss a, a beat. Um, they're they're a very talented team. I don't want to give the impression that they're not, but they have drilled the plan so well uh, at no point until until Aha's header went to the back of the net, and before the flag went up. So we're talking like a six-second window at most, did it look like Minnesota United was going to get anything from this game. Yeah. They would have been lucky to steal the point. So, for any news for this match, um, Dan and I, we and you had the same one, Dane St. Clair. Why don't you talk a little bit about Dane St. Clair? Uh, DSC had a lot to do in this game. Uh, the defense was disorganized uh, in a way that we haven't really seen. Um, the defense has had some issues for Minnesota United, but disorganization hasn't typically been one of them. So, uh, Gasper had a howler of a game, absolutely got torched up and down that left side. Lucas Delarayon had pretty well the run of the 18 and infrequently the six. Uh, but Minnesota United only gave up two goals. They probably should have given up more. To me, that means DSC did his job. Um, and increasingly, I am unclear how this team is going to go back to Tyler Miller next year. MJ, you had uh, you had Robin Lude as your uh, uh, star of the game. Yeah, I thought he, he created chances. He sometimes were was at the end of chances. He finished. He finished the one goal we had. Yeah. Um, all right. So shitty for any news. Uh, Dan, you mentioned him very briefly. I chased Gasper. Luis Diaz just absolutely um, had Chase Gasper in his back pocket this entire game. My God, he, God yes. Yeah, he conceded the concedes the penalty that should have you know Zara probably should have uh, probably should have uh, made. Um, Gasper was lucky not to get a second yellow card in this match. Honestly, he uh, he was outclassed all over the pitch by Luis Diaz. Uh, MJ, you had Schoenfeld for some reason? Uh, he got the service in the six-yard box, and he made a nice spin or, or, or turn on the ball. But that's a goal-scoring opportunity. That you, if you're a striker, you have to finish that. Yeah. That, that would have uh, tied the game, 2-2. Right on. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Dan, uh, Jose Aja. 
Jose Aja, just honestly, I've been impressed with, with his abilities for most of the year. Um, dude loves a scrap, which I always appreciate in a central defender. This was one of those games, though, that they really needed him to be composed. Um, the back line is so thin. Uh, so this, the yellow card you alluded to, it wasn't tactical. It wasn't a good foul. It was just stupid. So it was a really, really poor yellow to take. Um, he did not particularly play well through the course of play. As I mentioned, the entire back line was uncharacteristically poor, and he was certainly part of that. And while I don't blame him for being fractionally offsides on the header, um, this is this is not the first time we've seen that from him. Like He pretty consistently struggles to keep the line. So um, obviously frustrating to have – the game never should have fallen to his head – the fact that it did and he wasn't able to, to rise to that moment was frustrating, but it was really his defensive performance that sealed it for me. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's talk about Columbus. Uh, Dan, I'll go back to you. Uh, you had Zeller Ryan as your uh, Freddie Adu uh, star of the game. Yeah, Zeller Ryan showed what you really want your DP10 to show. Every good thing was running through him. He was absolutely dynamic into the box. He was making great runs. He carried the ball really well. Uh, the sky penalty is obviously a black eye on uh, what was otherwise an outstanding game for him, but he hit the post once. The goal he scored was really nice. You can argue that St. Clair maybe should have parried that a little better than he did, but he absolutely roofs the ball from a zero angle. It's a hell of a goal, so he's my good Freddie Adieu. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Mensah, MJ. He was everywhere. He re- he was. organized the back line. He was up on set pieces to try to get headers. And then as soon as that went out of bounds or there was a turnover, he ran his ass back to the back by uh, Eli Room, the goalkeep. He was very, very aware of his defensive responsibilities after every turnover where he needed to be or track back to. And the Ghanaian center back, it's my – Freddie do next uh, next Freddie do best player of the game. Sure, um, I had Pedro uh, Sanch, um who uh, assisted on the Ryan goal with a, a, a very pretty pass. Uh, he got the second goal, um, which again was just an absolutely amazing, amazing shot um, that uh, Saint Clair didn't really have a chance, really have a chance on at all. And then uh, yeah, he was and he was just all over the place. I think there's. No, there's a lot you could give it to pretty much almost any of the uh, almost any of the attackers for Columbus, with maybe the exception of Jossie Zardes, um, who I'm just gonna go ahead and say he's my shitty Freddie Deuce because he was he was not a factor. Um, I think maybe that part of it has to do with with the lack of Nagby to uh, to link up with him uh, to get some of those through balls. But uh, I yeah, I would say I. And I say I say Jossie Zardes because there really wasn't too many players in on the Columbus crew side that, uh, that were, you know, worthy of a shitty Freddy Adu. Uh, MJ, you have uh, Valenzuela for your shitty Freddy Adu. I picked him before, and I feel like I'm picking on him now. He did not have a bad game. No Columbus crew member really had a bad game here. He, he had more turnovers or bad passes in distribution than his other backline affiliates – but that's not staying a lot. He played really well. He, I thought he defended well. I thought he made more threatening and successful passes than he normally does. Whether that's because his game's getting better or we were just bad at defense, I don't know. But 
he had he didn't have a horrible game. He just had, by my estimation, the worst game of a very good team. Yeah, right on. Uh, Dan, you want to nominate anybody, or are you good? Nah, uh, Zardes was about the only player that I would have tipped as being below what I expected. But I think you you captured his performance accurately. That it wasn't all that bad. He just didn't have Nagby to to service him effectively. But I think MJ's point is extremely well taken here. Columbus played really well across the board, and and they pretty well had Minnesota United dead to rights, and then until Lude Volleys went home, and then all of a sudden, with no time on the clock, Minnesota comes to life. Well, as our favorite coach always says, goals change games. Um, all right, let's very 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 briefly talk about RSL. Uh, this match happened last night. Um, it was the zero zero draw. This one came out in a 4-3-3, which for some reason, I have no idea why. This has never never worked for Minnesota uh, with Reynoso, Kamara, and Lude. Lude on the left for some, again, some god-awful reason. Uh, Gregory Stotts and Hayes across the middle, and uh, Mendier, Boxel, Debassi, and Gaspar with AHA obviously serving uh, his uh, suspension. Uh, 37th minute, yellow card for Romain Mendier. Um, pretty, a pretty egregious tackle. It he was studs up, and it. I've seen that car. I've seen that a tackle get a red before. Um, so, Romain Bendier, very very lucky to not get a second red card on the season. Um, only gets the yellow card in the thirty uh, seventh minute. Um, he also had Minnesota's really only decent chance in the first half. Uh, I believe in the fourth minute he had a, a shot on goal that uh, Punta had to yeah Punta had to to put aside. Um, Reynoso had a pretty decent, but again, it was high line shot in the 40th minute. But again, the first half was very, very drab. Lots of, uh, lots of dropping drop loods all over the place. Um, <laughs> the pitch was slick. Obviously, it was raining during the first half. So I think that obviously contributed a lot to – it was both teams. Both teams were playing really, really, really poorly. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to add in the first half? Worth noting, the, the, the 4-3-3 was – uh, to borrow a line from Pirates of the Caribbean, really more of a guideline. Uh, <laughs> Lou did start on the right, but the there was so much interchanging going on between him and Kamara and Renault. So it's it's a nominal four three three, and the positions were where they started, but the game plan was clearly all right. The three of you guys are in the attack, and what, exactly what that looks like, you guys figure out. Yeah. Uh, all right. In the second half, Minnesota actually came out and played pretty well. Um, they had plenty of chances. Um, it, it's actually and, – and to be, to be fair, RSL had a couple of decent chances as well. Uh, Douglas Martinez uh, Jr., um, I don't know how he didn't score his uh, sitter that he had inside the six-yard box. He just – he absolutely shanked it. He, uh, he won Olowski did uh, for, you know, U.S. Men's National Team fans. Reynoso had two again two point blank shots in about the first not in the first five minutes, but within a five minute span in around the halfway through the second half. Minnesota and Adrian Heath only made one sub in this match. It was in the seventy seventh minute when Marlon Harrison came on for Jacory Hayes, and that's pretty much it. Game ended zero zero. Um, it was you know as bad as the first half was. The second half was equally as entertaining. Uh, it was it was an entertaining half if it was you know. It was definitely infuriating if you are a, a, uh, a Minnesota United fan. If you are neutral, it was really – it was fucking back and forth, and it was kind of bonkers. Minnesota probably deserves three points in this match, but it ends 1-1 uh, and a 1-1 draw, and it's the first time 
RSL's ever picked up points in Minnesota. So um, do you guys have any thoughts on the overall general from this game? Um, otherwise, we can jump into our Freddie news, and then I think we'll talk more about some of the bigger picture stuff in our, in our questions. But any, any sort of general overall thoughts? We had more chances than they did in more threatening spots, and we just could not finish. Yeah. Um, so Minnesota, so this is a shutout, 0-0. Minnesota United has three shutouts this year. Who can you can anybody tell me who the three shutouts are against? Including the group stage or the uh knockout stage, the MLS is back. Nope, not including that. I cannot. I've been keeping up my spreadsheet. Spoiler alert, they're all they beat, R- they beat RSL. RSL, RSL, RSL. RSL. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Minnesota's not allowed to go to RSL this year, which is a good thing. They get to go because they get to play RSL one more time. We'll talk about that uh, after the break here. So, Is there uh, any chance that we had three different goalkeepers? No, because Dane St. Clair was playing in the 4-0. Yep, yep. He was, and it arguably oh, should have been a 4-1 because that was the one that, that uh, he, Giuseppe Rossi he magically, magically over the line, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one uh, thing, right. speaking of DSC, I will throw out is uh, that uh, Douglas Martinez chance that you referenced earlier is probably the first time we have seen a mistake from DSC that really should have led to a goal. Um, he has played enough minutes. One mistake is not the end of the world. Um, but I think that actually serves to underscore just how reliable he's been for a keeper of his age. He's been remarkably composed. He makes incredibly good decisions coming off his line. And this was the first time that he started coming off. And I went, oh, shit, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, luckily, uh, Douglas Jr. Uh, just uh, managed to shake it. So, all right, let's do Freddie News. Uh, Dan, again, we're, we are simpatico on our Freddie News from Minnesota again with uh, Babelo. You want to talk a little bit about Babelo? Um, I'll say one thing and I'll actually throw it to you, honestly. Uh, the second half, United looked a lot better. The, the attack had some purpose to it. But, boy, Reynoso was just – if there was a good thing happening, he was the one doing it. Uh, I badly wanted that free kick to go in for him, but putting it just put it over the bar. So uh, I'll let you touch on everything else, but I mostly just that he was the focal point of the attack. Yeah, that, no, you, that's exactly it. He was he was involved in every, almost every single attacking uh, part of the of the game. Um, you can see he was almost trying to will Minnesota to a goal, right? Whether it was him doing it himself um, or him just dribbling around players, uh, you know one-two passing. His uh, pass that he had with Mednir, where he hit it with the outside of his boot, um, Mednir passes it to him. He one-times it with the outside of his boot to Mednir, who then makes a, a just a, has a shitty cross to Kamara. It's a, I mean, it's a decent, a decent cross, but it's not in any, anywhere near where Kai Kamara was. Um, but the, the one touch from the outside of the boot by Ray also was just, was just absolute sex. It was pure, unadulterated uh, sex. And it was something that if you are a fan of Minnesota United, and this will talk, we have a question kind of related to this. Babylo is one of the reasons why I would be excited as a Minnesota United fan. So uh, MJ, and he might be the only reason why I'm excited as a Minnesota United fan right now, honestly. Uh, MJ, you had uh, Debassi. Yeah, I thought he played well on both sides of the pitch, both uh, trying to get in the six yard box or get a header on some of our set pieces. And then tracking back and positioning, you can tell he's a more, I would say, stable or veteran defender who can, who can play at a little higher level than, than Aha. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Uh, our shitty friend news from Minnesota. Um, I'll start. I had Kai Kamara, and this is maybe not necessarily – part of it's not necessarily his fault because th- this is maybe showing fans that maybe Toy wasn't as a, as much of a bungler as people thought he was because um, Kai Kamara was just not getting great service. But when he got service, uh, he was he was, he made some really interesting – interesting is probably the nicest way I can say to it – choices. There's a couple times where he should have just turned and shot but he tried to do uh, like a back heel or, or he actually, you know, one extra pass. It's what you see a lot of when you watch Liverpool with like when Salah and Mane are like gunning for it and they're just, they are desperate for a goal. So they haven't scored in a couple matches. They do these things where they're trying to set up their teammates and they, instead of like taking a shot, they do try to do that extra pass to like get the ball an extra two feet closer to the goal. Um, and it ultimately ends up like being behind the player uh, or it goes right to a defender Kai Kamara was doing a lot of that uh, when he actually had opportunities on the ball, when he had the ball at his feet, you know, inside the, inside the, the six yard box. I, w- I wish he would have just fucking took a whack at it a couple more times. So I would, I would say, Kai Kamara, I, again, I don't think anybody played particularly egregiously bad in this match. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I'd say Kai Kamara. So uh, Dan, you picked Sonny Dotson. I did, which breaks my heart because you all know how much I love Sonny Dotson. Um, a little bit like you were saying with, with uh, Kamara, David, just it's not that he played particularly badly. Um, he, I just, he, he feels miscast to me as the Aussie replacement. Um, I, this is not some permanent, he'll never be good as a sixth, yeah. but the team seemed to believe that that was his, his destiny position. And he just doesn't seem that type of player to me. Uh, I think what we're seeing from him is not enough focus on the defense, uh, which he showed when he was replacing Matt Nair. Uh, he was excellent defensively. And not enough knowledge of kind of when to get forward in the attack to support. So uh, he gets my shitty Freddie do. Honestly, I think more than anything, what we're seeing is just that he's being miscast as a six. And what that means for Gregush's future, and I, he's clearly either a fullback or an eight at this point. Uh, and Minnesota is, that's probably our areas of greatest depth. So I don't know what this means for Dotson's future, but uh, the six ain't it. Yep. Uh, MJ, you had uh, not Pedro. You had Chase Gasper. Yes, not more. More Pedro is needed. More Pedro Gasper. This was the second game that I saw him. Just when there was a turnover, and he's chasing back from behind, and he's young, he's fast, and he, I love his effort. I love how he gets back and he wants to win the ball back. But there are some basic tenets of defense that you need to know. And that is before you go chasing after the ball, you probably want to get back by your other defensive line, turn your head around and see everybody coming at you. And he kind of runs straight at the ball and takes some pretty aggressive angles that if the ball carrier is already in front of him, all they have to do is make one lateral movement, you know, outside or inside, and he's going to run by it. And they keep doing that to him, you know, beating him on the outside when he's, he should be running to the inside, you know, towards the goal, you know, towards the, the near post. And, and he's over there on the sideline trying to win the balls back on way too aggressive uh, attacking points. So just more of a two game Gasper, uh, pretty do shittiest player of the game. Fair enough. <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, 
So RSL, um, Dan, again, great minds think alike, apparently. Uh, Putna, um, Andrew, uh, Andrew Putna, the goalkeeper for RSL, made seven saves um, and just a barrage of shots, uh, 14 shots. He was tipped the ball, tipped the ball over the bar on Reynoso, I believe uh, Molino as well. Uh, he had a hell of a game. Anything else you want to add on, on Putna? No, but it is interesting. Uh, RSL has gone through kind of a a rotation of keepers. They haven't really found anyone. This is the first keeper that we've seen that really made their mark. Uh, I just deeply wish they hadn't done it against United. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MJ, you yeah, my Oh, all my Zach McMaster jokes go out the window if they're putting in Putna now. Right on. Yeah, for sure. Rest, rest, rest in peace, Zach McMath <laughs> jokes. Um, Zach yeah. McMath, I hope you live to have a long, healthy career. Yep. Uh, Aaron Herrera, he was, uh, I believe, their left back, and he played really well on, on both sides of the ball. He had some great – no, he's their right back. Sorry. So he, he had some great tackles and interceptions – in on the defensive side of the ball and then really distributed the ball well up that right side going forward. Cool. Uh, all right, shitty Freddy news. MJ, let's stay with you. And you had Justin Glad. Yeah, so on the flip side, the, the left fullback, uh, he did not have a good game on both sides of the pitch. You know, he had that uh, atrocious yellow card and that was really unnecessary. And he was not making good tackles and going forward I thought he's passing with spotty for sure um I had Albert Rusnak he was completely non-existent in this match um whether that was you know Minnesota's defense and Hassani Dotson uh putting the work in uh which he actually to, to Dotson's credit I think he actually did a somewhat decent job. I think he was, I think in the, at least in the first half, I think he was actually asked more to stay home and not get forward, which I think was, you know, ultimately there's a problem when you want, when you you know need a guy like Dotson to take some shots and to create some offense. But Rusnak was completely invisible in this game um, and uh, didn't, didn't really impact the way he does against Minnesota normally. Normally Albert Rusnak is a thorn in Minnesota's side and Minnesota did a good job isolating him. Uh, Dan, you had Corey Baird and I, 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 I think I know the reason why. <laughs> yeah, so if you think Albert Rusnak was invisible in this game, you should have looked at Corey Baird, who wasn't even in the right state. Corey Baird was slated to start this game, but missed RSL's charter flight and had to be left home. And so Douglas Jr. started Douglas uh, Louis Jr. had to start in his place. So if if uh, you know we were talking about Everton Jr. Uh, or, sorry, Louis Jr. fluffing that shot. That should have been Corey Baird, who's a little more clinical. Uh, so Minnesota United lucked out that uh, Corey Baird doesn't know how an alarm clock works. Yeah, that just seems uh, – it's a charter flight. So you think they could hold the flights, but, it, I mean, unless they just couldn't get a hold of him. There was a, there was a time when we were taking the Deathloop Express down to – was it down? I think it was down to Kansas City. And we had a guy who was, like, was supposed to be on the bus – waiting, waiting, waiting for him. Like we have like, you know, we're waiting as long as we possibly can calling. It's going straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. Um, and then finally we're like, fuck it. We got to go. Uh, took off down the bus. We finally get a hold of him like an hour and a half later. And we're like, dude, where are you? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, we're on the fucking bus to Kansas city. Like we're, we're at Albert Lee right now. We're like, we're, we're almost like we're to the Iowa border. Um, and he overslept his alarm. He probably got fucked up the night before, overslept his alarm. 
managed to find someone to drive him down to Kansas City that day. So he got up, got someone to drive him down to Kansas City, and then he took, <laughs> and he took the bus back with us because it, it was a down and back situation. Took the bus back with us, but he had someone drive him down to Kansas City. And that person like turned around and drove back to Minnesota for some reason. So, um, so yeah, Corey Bear must have just uh, been getting uh, getting jiggy with it in uh, in uh, Salt Lake City or something. You know where they notoriously uh, known for their late late bar closes. Yeah, that's that is uh, the party capital of the Rockies, man. You know, that's what everyone think, says about Salt Lake City. When I think of states with outdated blue laws or alcohol laws. I think yeah. Utah's up there. Yeah, it Minnesota's up there, is. but they don't they don't touch, they don't hold a candle to Utah. So, but all so, right, uh, but but this that's just it. So that means that Corey Baird was at at his house partying. You know, he probably had a house party because the bars don't stay open late there. All right. So yeah, I mean, I mean that that's responsible, I guess. You're not driving, not drinking and driving, so that's good. Good for him. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump into some of the some bigger things. So, there's a couple of Heath quotes I want us to, to discuss. Um, we don't have to we don't have to like you know beat a dead horse here. I think people are oh we will fairly, fairly familiar with uh, with our stances on these things. But I just want to read. So these were a couple of quotes from that from uh, the Andy Greener and uh, uh, Jeff Ruder at the Athletic had some of these quotes. Um, the first one is about substitutes and 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 all that. And this is the Heath quote. Uh, quote, I keep saying there's a fascination with substitutes in America. I don't understand it at times. Why are, when you are creating the chances that we are in the, that we are in the second half and are completely dominant, why would we upset the rhythm of the team? I can understand if we are creating chances, we don't look as though we are on the front foot. Something is not right. But the way we were playing in the second half, I think all, all I would have done is, is disrupt the rhythm of the game. That's the quote from Adrian Heath. Uh, any reactions on that? Um, I'll save mine to the end because I, uh, yeah. But who wants to go first? In the RSL game, I thought we were creating chances. And there is validity to his point that if you take someone out, when you look at how many chances were created, that disrupts the flow, the, the attacking flow. And you risk disrupting the chances that you are getting. On the other hand, no one's finishing. And you have bench players that are hungry for minutes and hungry to prove themselves and have chips on their shoulder. And one way you can like prove the coach wrong is score a goal, you know? And one way you can light a fire under your starters or preferred players to be better is to sub them off. Well, and MJ's, your point is well taken. Minnesota United was creating chances, but most of the chances they created was Reynoso going, I'm going to put the ball in the back of the net. I don't know what the hell the rest of you guys are doing. Like they were, they were great dribbling. They were shots from outside the box. It was all coming through Reynoso. There were 10 other guys on the pitch that he could have subbed out without jeopardizing the flow. The other thing I hate about this quote is it's just the way he sets it up that this is like a, an American thing is absolute bullshit. Like, Go on any team subreddit for any EPL team. I assume this is true for other teams. I just don't speak the languages as well. Like, this is a thing fans care about. They care about the starting lineup. They care about the formation. They care about the guys on the bench. And if the starting lineup isn't performing, which Minnesota United is not right now, 
they're going to care about subs. So framing this as like, well, MLS fans are just so uncultured. And if they were British, they'd be so fuck off, fuck off. It is not true. We have the receipts to prove it. And also like, if this is such a big deal to you, prove that your starters should be going 90 minutes in the midst of an insane fixture list, which he spoiler alert complains about in the same interview. Don't worry, we're going to get to that one. We're going to get to that quote next. We'll get, we'll get to that one, too. Yeah. But, like, so it's horseshit prima facie, which I believe is the first time that four-word phrase has ever been uttered. <laughs> but, it's, but it then also is immediately contradicted by his own point later. Like, he's – this is idiocy. There is no explanation for it other than idiocy. I, I'll, I'll say it. Um, Adrian Heath, if you are a Minnesota United fan – Adrian Heath fucking hates you and thinks you're a fucking idiot in a room. When he says shit, when he says specifically shit like this, um, he knows exactly who he's talking to. He thinks the reporters covering the team are idiots. He thinks uh, the front office people are idiots. He thinks the fans are idiots. Uh, because you don't say something like this if you don't hold the people that you're talking about in complete contempt, right? If you have any sort of any modicum of, of uh, decency or, or respect for the people that you are talking about and talking to, you don't say shit like that. You just, you just don't. It's it, cause it is anybody who is following this team, even the most casual of fans will be like, wow, like Robin Lude in this match on Sunday, look, fuck He was dragging his ass for the last 30 minutes of the game. Why the fuck was he not subbed off? What, what, has Raheem Edwards done to this team where he can't get 30 fucking minutes uh, on the left-hand side, right? Um, if you want to keep Robin Lude on, move him over to the right, you know, and, and play your 4-2-3-1, changing up the formation when he, you know, he does these things that are, uh, and I, I've been saying this for the last several weeks, is that Adrian Heath thinks we're a bunch of hicks who don't understand how this game works, don't understand the tactics, um, and that were, you know, just a bunch of Americans who play uh, FIFA, and that's how we think about soccer, right? This fucking video games and shit, which is, he hasn't out and out said that, but every time you read a quote like this, where he's talking down and condescending to people, it just, it gets me, it gets me even more pissed off about fucking Keith out than, and, and I, I did my best to stay away from saying any, sh- any, any shit on Twitter, either on my personal account or on the TDIK account, because I wanted to, um, I wanted to say it here because I, I, I really think it, it needs to be vocalized and verbalized more than, you know, 280 characters uh, or a couple of a, a tweet thread or whatever. But I, I truly believe that Adrian Heath, he either at best thinks we're idiots or, or B, actively fucking hates the fans of this team. And it could be a little bit of both, honestly. I think it's probably column A and column B. Um, it just But the way... The way that he's talked to uh, to us and about us and kind of said it to us for the entirety of the time that he's been here, four years now. This is this is not this is not anything new. This is the same same shit, um, you know. And and we'll talk about the second quote in a little bit. But yeah, he completely con- he completely contradicts himself with the very next thing that he says. So, anything else on this particular quote? Otherwise, we can jump to the next one. I think there's another possibility other than that he hates the fans and hates the media. Um, he's just getting sick of 
getting asked about substitutions because it's so clear to most people that this is one of his weaknesses. And if he were to really examine that this is one of his weaknesses, you know, that is scares the shit out of him. So, I mean, it's just something he doesn't want to have to deal with. And so his defensive mechanism is to lash out. I honestly don't think he hates the fans. I don't think he uh, hates the media. I think he gets bad PR coaching or media coaching. What PR coaching? Or, or, or he, as Dan alluded to weeks ago, he gets it and he doesn't listen or learn, which is another scary thing altogether. But uh, thank you, Dan, for that tidbit. But I do think that he's not good with the media in general, especially after a loss. He's more emotional than thinking rational about how to process the game. And so, you know, with however many people have been asking about subs or, you know, people that read the Twitters and report back to him for his bulletin material of talking about substitutions, he's probably sick of hearing it. And then he's so angry, he can't formulate a really good, calm response that is just going to cause the fans to say, oh, you make a good point. It does the exact opposite effect. It riles us up. It gets us angry. Yeah, I maybe hates a strong word, but he definitely thinks that that people are idiots and don't know the game the way that he knows the game, um, which is, I think, you know. I do uh, think the contempt is there. I think yeah. contempt was a good word, David. Yeah, he, yeah it's contempt. Um, and then the other quote, so this we talked about this last week about the excuse of Eater and what was going to be the next excuse. And, and yes, we obviously, we nailed it on the head. They were going to complain about the schedule. So his next quote was, uh, quote, I don't think enough has been made of the schedule that we have. It's bordering on being ridiculous. The amount of travel and games we're having every four days, and you're expecting the same group of guys to keep running out. It's virtually impossible at times, but such is the nature of football. Players want to play every game. Hopefully we can freshen them up this week with uh, then the end quote with no, with no midweek game. Dan, I'll holla you start. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the most frustrating thing about this quote is that Heat's right. This schedule is insane, and it's not conducive to good games. It's not conducive to players staying healthy. This is – I don't – it's not a straight money grab. I think the players really do want to play as many many games as possible and give the season some validity, but it's a money grab. It's, and, and he has every right in the world to point out that it sucks to have to play this many games. However, on the heels of the previous quote, it just sounds like whining or that he doesn't know how subs work, or that he doesn't know what squad rotation is. And he obviously does. He's, he's not an idiot. He knows how these things work. He just refuses to do them. The thing that kills me about this quote is it seems as though he believes that this is uniquely affecting Minnesota United. And I got to tell you, there's at least one other team who has to play every game Minnesota United has to play because you don't play without an opponent. The Wednesday game this week was like what the third or fourth time in league history that all, every team in the league was playing on the exact same day. And then pretty well everyone turned around and either played Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, with this time as much, that was a horrible word vomit of a sentence. With this dense of a fixture list, yeah, that extra game, that extra day matters, but not hugely. Um, and, it, and it does even out sort of over the course of weeks. So 
I don't know. It's this. This to me is more defensible and more a case of Inchi shooting himself in the foot than it is of him complaining about something that isn't really valuable. Yeah, and this is just the team's talking. You know, the, the, this is the talking point that Adrian Heath came up with, basically saying, "Oh, woe is us." Uh, you know, two weeks ago it was, we, "Oh, we've only played." We haven't. We've only played, you know, two home games or three home games in this entire thing, and we've played, you know, twenty-five away games. You know, completely sort of obscuring all the facts. Um, I like to point out to Adrian Heath that fucking Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal are going to be playing in the U.S. for two months, but like not at their homes, right? So it's like we don't we don't even have it the worst of, of any of these teams, right? And so it's again, it's another it's another excuse for ultimately, you know screwing up and either, you know, not making the playoffs, which is a very real possibility now. I, mean, I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago. I would have said, oh, we're for sure going to make the playoffs, at least and we have a really good chance of hosting a game. I don't even know if we'll make the playoffs at this point, right? Like, there's only four points separates San Jose, which is, gets the shit beat out of them almost every week, and us in sixth place. So it's a very real possibility that we might not even make the playoffs. So, MJ, do you want to throw anything in? Just that the logical contradiction of these two quotes seems, again, to back up my point that he's not in a headspace to discuss matches that just happened with a negative outcome uh, in, a, in a rational manner you know, in, in, or in a way that can explain things to fans in a, in a way that's just like, yeah, you know, here's some good things I saw on the pitch. Here's some things that we're, we need to improve on. We're going to hit those in training this week. I mean, just some basic formulaic coach post-game press things. You know, he has to whine and complain to Dan's point. And in doing this whining and complaining is completely oblivious or ignorant to how it just is logically incongruable with what he previously said. And to that point, I'm glad he doesn't give coach patter. Like I'm, I'm happy to have the passion. You know, if this were, I realized that Mike Petke turned out to be a completely toxic asshole and I don't want Mike Petke as a coach, but if he had the same like big bombastic statements I would have truly no problem with that. That is my preferred modality for a coach or the, or the way that a uh, pop down in uh, San Antonio or Steve Kerr is now giving like really good political answers to pretty stock sports questions. Like that all, that's something I think is great. Inchi just comes off. It's man, it is, it is such a grievance because it isn't just after losses. When you think about the, the game, where he basically, where uh, the quote was, uh, Robin Lude plays for us, not for the other team, like some people think. Yeah. Like, that was after a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, <clears throat> win or lose, just worse after a loss. Yeah. Just, uh, it's, uh, again, I, I go back, it's under contempt. And, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about, like, supporting this team in, in a second. Uh, but, uh, Dan, let's, let's do your question. Because um, I think it's important based on the fact that we did – that we scored, what, three goals in our last four games. Um, so how does this team score goals? Uh, and then your sort of secondary question is, how do they want to score, you know, if, when everyone's healthy? So your question, so I'll let you, I'll let you take, the, take the lead on it, Dan. 
Yeah, so this team has invested quite a bit in the attack. Um, there's also a, a number of injuries, so you know it's kind of players in, players out. But the the last five goals they've scored. So since phase two started, uh, in reverse order, you have uh, the goal against Columbus, which was Gasper basically dribbling up the left side unimpeded uh, and getting a cross in that Lute volleyed home. That was it was a super nice goal. I will preface that all five of these goals, uh, very solid, like nice goals. Uh, Kevin Molino scores off of a turnover. Uh, Robin Lude scores off of a rebound. That was a very quick buildup, uh, a little bit slower than what you'd consider a counterattack, but still within closer to that than, than a long buildup. Uh, you have Mason Toy scoring off a turnover. You have the one really patient buildup goal, uh, the, the final attacking move was Reynoso to Metinair to Molino for a one-time shot. Uh, and then you have the penalty kick against Dallas where uh, you have a, a similarly very, very quick buildup uh, with Metinair finally drawing the penalty. So the interesting thing to me is this team definitely won, it should be said, having scored a ton of goals off of set pieces in the bubble has not scored any uh, since phase two started. So that's a fairly relevant point, but then two, there doesn't seem to be a cohesive attacking philosophy of, okay, we want to do this. So we know that once the ball turns over in the midfield, we have to get it to Reynoso and he can distribute from there or whoever gets the turnover needs to turn up field and run. And we're going to find one pass to a central striker. Uh, And some of this really does come down to the difference in formation changes, uh, the difference in personnel, but it really struck me uh, in the RSL game that that was a Reynoso attacks game. He was the one creating ball at his feet. Uh, he was the one shooting. And Kai Kamara, the most recent attacking acquisition, took a really, really backseat to him. And it didn't look for most of the game like he knew where he wanted to be. It didn't. It looked like he wasn't quite sure whether he needed to be at the top of the box doing more of a hold-up striker thing or a little bit deeper, distracting the goalkeeper. And that's a – I'll give him this grace. He's in a very weird situation. Um, Two-game week, first week with the team, that's wild. It's not really something they've had to deal with before. So, hey, I don't really know exactly how my teammates want to function. That's entirely forgivable. But the fact that we haven't seen – a cohesive philosophy emerge to me is worrisome, especially when you have Reynoso and Kamara as the two most recent additions, and they seem to have kind of discordant skill sets. Yeah, that is, that is a, you make, you bring a great point. I mean, I think, I think how they want this, like how, how Heath envisions it with Reynoso is, is kind of to your point is like, give Reynoso the ball and let Reynoso do shit um, with a secondarily of Reynoso is going to get the ball, do some shit, get it out to either Gasper or Metnir out wide and they're going to cross it in. And, you know, Kai Kamara is going to put a head on it. Um, they clearly did not do any of that or they didn't do that very well uh, on Sunday. But I think that is ultimately what they're, what they're trying to do. And that is, you can, you understand that from a little bit from the conversations that, you know, that he's had with the media after the, the announcement trade for Kai Kamara, um, the things that they sort of leaked out about how Kai Kamara came over and said, you know, a game against Colorado that if he'd been playing for Minnesota, when Minnesota put in like 20 crosses, he would have scored five goals. Um, little things like that, that, you know, he sort of hits at the sort of the style that we want to play. And that's, 
you know, I think I think your sort of your point is is well taken, Dan, in that there's been so many different kinds of goals that it makes it does seem very like disjointed and and non congruent. So, MJ, did you want anything? I would say that being able to score different types of goals is a strength. And to a previous point that I made in previous weeks, we're still trying to find our identity. And the player, you know, not having a set formation where you have a nice specific game plan that with squad rotation, you sub in. And it doesn't matter who you're subbing in. If you're the left wing in this system, this is what the left wing has to do. And we have players like this that I think have the soccer IQs to handle something like this, where you have kind of a set system and you understand when you get plugged in at right back or you get plugged in in Ozzy's spot or you get plugged in in Gregus's spot or Molino's spot, like this is what you're trying to do. And we don't have to like, oh, well, with these people on the pitch, we have to really rethink our formation and our attacking principles. It seems like we have an identity crisis. And how much of that is due to the leadership? Because what it looks like is the players are left to figure it out on the field on their own. And these different types of scoring is them figuring it out on their own. Yeah, it's, it, your point is certainly well taken that, you know, if if we had scored five goals in, let's say, three games instead of six, I don't think we're having this conversation, right? Like, that, the variety of attack then is a clear strength, and it's something that, that benefits the team. I think where I'm concerned is, um, you know, a two-game week, zero-goal week is not great. No. Uh, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Finley should be back within the next game or two. Um, Ozzy Alonso, I think about on the same timeline. Um, we'll talk about this, but maybe I go para question mark. So the, the team is clearly, now, so. yeah. So the team is clearly getting healthier and I'll be very interested to see, you know, if we go back to the four, two, three, one with Reynoso sitting at a pretty traditional 10, Kamara up top as the very traditional striker, um, as the nine. It'll be interesting to see how the interplay with Finley and Reynoso and Kamara or to the other side. Well, and so there's another question. When Finley's healthy, where do you put Robin Lute? He's looked so much better on the right. Yeah. It's that 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 sort of and MJ kind of alluded to it. Um this is a conversation that Martin and I had for several years uh, when they started this first round of this podcast and that, you know, we were, we either were trying to jam everybody into, he had this, had this sort of knee jerk reaction where either he was trying to jam everybody into a system that he wanted to play uh, the four, two, three, one, or he would just do something completely different. Like at the three, five, two. Um, I don't understand why we played a four, three, three yesterday when we had all the 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 pieces to play a four two three one um, and to play that you know that more unless he was trying to play that way because he saw something about with Houston with our with, sorry with RSL but we just played RSL like two weeks ago with the four two three one and beat the shit out of him so at least in the second half of that game maybe you know probably deserved to be down one nothing um, if not more in the first half but 
we certainly had the, you know, we had slightly different personnel, but, you know, we, one of the things that Adrian Heath asked for and was given over the course of the last two years is depth. We have depth, but we're not using it, right? We have, you know, two, a two game week, we had 10 opportunities to sub and we used three subs. I mean, so the question is, and the question I have to Adrian Heath especially is, do we have depth or not? And if we don't have depth, that's mostly on him at this point, right? He can't, that's not something that he can pass off to, to Lagos uh, or to Amos McGee because he's in charge of bringing Robot. players in. And so, you know, it, I mean, it all circles back to, to that, you know, Adrian Heath does not, like, should not be coaching and managing this team. Uh, we know that's not going to change, uh, at least not probably for another year. Maybe after next year, if we shit the bed, then, you know, McGuire might let, let Heath go, but I don't think he's going anywhere soon. But the question I would ask if I was a, a journalist and in those, I was like, do we have depth or not? Because I, it, to me, you know, we keep, we heard over and over again, we need more depth. We need more depth. We got more depth. Jacory Hayes, Marlon Harrison are, are great examples of that. We have Thomas Chacon sitting on the bench. We have Raheem Edwards uh, brought in, sitting on the bench, not getting any playing time. Where the fuck is our depth? Right? All right. Unless you get speechless. I mean, the, the, the question I have is, exactly what David said on you have the pieces to do a 4-2-3-1 why don't you just do that you have Edwards that can start on the left you have Lude that can start on, on the right Reynosa is the 10 Kamar is the 9 there's your attacking 4 right there and then you know whether you have Dotson or or Ja'Cory Hayes fill in for uh, Ozzy you can figure that out now let's say there's some minor injury to Edwards or you're resting him because you want him to start the next game or whatever the reason is that you're benching Edwards or not starting him. Let's say you really want to start both Dotson and Ja'Cory Hayes. Are you so like pigeonholing your own players to say, you know what? These guys are, are central midfielders. They can't play wing. You don't think Ja'Cory Hayes could play wing if you, if you asked him to like, it just seems ridiculous. Like, like, you could put Dotson and Greg who says a double pivot in the central mid- midfielder. Have Jacory plays Hayes play play right wing or left wing and put Lude on the right. I don't know Edwards on the left. I don't care. It just seems like part of the depth signings were some versatility. A lot of the guys that we got in depth can play multiple positions. Dotson can play multiple positions. Great soccer IQ guys look like they can create and chances on the ball use them trust them yeah all right so let's end it let's end it on a prediction um dan said uh, the over under on kai kamara goals for the remaining nine games at three and a half um do we think we go kamara goes over under three and a half goals over the course of the last nine games of of the regular season i'm in a shitty mood i'm i'm a pessimist right now i say under all right dan I'm going to take the over. Um, I almost set this at four, which I, I think is what he, what he gets kind of a goal every other game. Yeah. I, I, I want to have faith that he will build some chemistry with his teammates and, you know, he'll get on a couple of crosses, um, a couple set pieces. We have been uh, particularly bad on set pieces recently. So, um, you know, maybe that is, you know, reversing to the mean, or maybe we will, you know, sort of, 
head back towards being a little bit better on, on set pieces. So I think, yeah, I think four is actually a good number. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll pick the over, but just barely as, as it did with Dan, as Dan said. So, all right, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about uh, some other United news uh, as well as talk about the upcoming match on uh, next Saturday, which is FC, FC Cincinnati coming to town. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. You won't me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. uh-huh. all right and we're back uh nice nice break um all right so some united news um, well, other in non-United news, uh, Colorado uh, has the plague uh, for realsies this time. <laughs> um, they uh, tried to postpone their game against Sporting Kansas City in uh, Colorado on Sunday because one of their players and two of their training staff tested positive. And then today it came out that they had a further uh, one more player and then I believe seven other uh, tra- training staff people test positive. So that's 11 total people. <sighs> Um, who have tested positive uh, for COVID in Colorado. They are all, uh, they stopped training late last week. Um, they're all uh, quarantining, uh, doing, uh, daily testing. But uh, their game on Sunday is also in jeopardy because the team hasn't trained at all um, since la- like late last week. So this is the first. So there's been a couple of COVID t- uh, positive cases in MLS since the tournament. But not one that has wiped out an entire team well, like this one seems to have, or at least wiped out, uh, you had forced the game to be uh, postponed. So, uh, you know, and, and again, there hasn't been, other than baseball, um, there hasn't been any, there has been too many in terms of like teams uh, getting wiped out. And baseball obviously had a few uh, at the beginning of the year with the, the Cardinals and the Marlins. So uh, what do you guys think about the COVID testing? Um, I'm glad teams are testing as aggressively as they are. Uh, we found out today that uh, I believe it was, was it Bologna had 14 traveling staff and players test positive after their game with Napoli. So better to get these things done before the match instead of after. Uh, and not to make too much light of this, but man, how happy is Kai Kamara that he's uh, not with the Rapids anymore? Yeah, right. Not in Colorado. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. And the other big piece of news of MLS wide is that they actually announced the rest of the phase two schedule. Um, to Minnesota's credit, they are playing all these games behind closed doors, which is great. But um, just to rattle them off really quickly, uh, our next match is against SC Cincinnati uh, on Saturday at 7 p.m. We play the 6th of October. It's a Tuesday at Nashville at 7.30. The following Sunday, the 11th at FC Dallas at 7.30. Uh, the Chicago Fire come to town on Wednesday, the October 14th at 7. Uh, and then Sunday, the 18th, we go – or Houston comes to town finally, also at 7 p.m. The following Saturday, the 24th, we go to FC Cincinnati at 6.30. The 28th, we go to the aforementioned Colorado Rapids, if they are still playing soccer at that point, uh, at 7 p.m. The Sunday, the 1st, we go to Sporting Kansas City at 6.30. And then on Sunday, the November 8th, the last game of the season, we host FC Dallas here in Minnesota um, that'll be part of the decision day. All the games, all the Western Conference games will be kicking off at 5.30. So a couple of uh, facts about the schedule that I'll let you also want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, we're going to be playing FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City four matches um, total this season. 
which is a lot. Uh, Houston Arsenal will play them three times apiece. Um, the only new teams that are playing in this go round, uh, this round of matches is FC Cincinnati, Nashville, and Chicago, all three Eastern Conference teams. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think about the uh, the, the the schedule? We even out the number of home games uh, versus away games for phase one and phase two. Obviously, we're not going to be totally even because we started the season on the road. But do you guys have any thoughts about this game about the strength of the schedule? It looks, I mean, to me, it looks like it's pretty easy and we should uh we should do well but that is uh i think it's not a necessarily a foregone conclusion yeah i mean i think the big thing here is that it puts minnesota united's destiny square in their own hands um you know two games against cincinnati should absolutely be six points uh chicago also not good that should be three at nashville yeah it's traveling it's also still nashville you should get three points there so playing sporting a bunch fc dallas twice dynamo that's not superb but Minnesota United has the opportunity to take more than enough points to, to stay within the playoff chase, even as dense as the West is. Um, I'll tell you what, though. To me, this season, Minnesota United needs to be in an unassailable playoff position after the October 28th game against the Rapids because I desperately do not want to play at Sporting, who has fans, and then home against FC Dallas, needing anything out of either of those matches, knowing that we've really struggled against both of those teams. Yeah. MJ? Really good point about that home stretch and seeing that run of, you know, Cincinnati. Well, there's four games in there. Chicago Fire, Houston Dynamo, Cincinnati, Colorado. We need nine points there out of those, out of those four because – who knows what we're going to get out of that sporting Kansas city and Dallas to end the season. Yeah. So, so that kind of leads me to my next question. I'm kind of spring. I guess, do you think we make the playoffs? And I did, I did a little bit of a back of the napkin math uh, during our break here. Um, so eight teams make the playoffs in the Western conference this year. Uh, so the eighth seed, if, it, if we would have had eight teams last year, the eighth seed was averaging 1.3 points per game, which would in a, this shortened abbreviated abbreviated season would be about 30 points um, for to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. The fourth seed, which is what Minnesota was last year, hosting a playoff game, uh, they averaged 1.55 points per game. Uh, So in an abbreviated season, 36 points. And the number one seed, I I threw out LAFC because LAFC, I think, was a a, – an outlier. They had 72 points last year in their, in their season. I don't think any of the teams other than maybe Columbus has an opportunity to like match that sort of uh, points uh, total this year. Uh, I predicted about 1.64 points uh, for the first seed for the number one overall seed. So that's going to be anywhere from 38 to 40 points uh, in order to be the number one seed in the playoffs. So currently Minnesota United, we are sitting in uh, sixth place. Uh, 19 points. That is a 1.35 uh, points per match clip. Um, Seattle is sitting at 1.8 points per match on 24 points uh, overall. Um, so they're leading the Western Conference right now. So basically, if my math is right, um, and to be fair, the, oh the, the West is a lot tighter this year than, uh, than it was last year. Minnesota needs 11 points from their last uh, nine matches. Um, to equal that 1.3. And that's just to, to, to make the playoffs, to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. Do we see at least 11 points in this uh, 
in this run of games? And if so, how many points do we see in this run of games? So where do you think Minnesota ends up the season? I think Minnesota definitely makes the playoffs. Um, I have a hard time seeing them get all the way up to fourth. But look, if you need 11 points out of these games and you've if they take less than six against Cincinnati, that is a massive upset. They need to be beating the tar out of FC Cincinnati. I'm not saying 7-1 like last year, but they need multiple goal wins over this team. So that means you essentially need five points from your remaining seven games. Um, Fire are beatable. Nashville's beatable. Sporting hasn't played particularly well this year. They've gotten beat by plenty of teams that are not even as good as United is. And this team is getting healthier. And I think the other thing, like I know we just spent a long time on this, and I know this zero goal, one point game week was insanely frustrating. Minnesota United was two inches total away from a four point game week, taking a point admittedly undeserved, but it still would have been a point off of Columbus and then getting the goal that they needed against RSL. And at that point, this looks completely different. So as much as, as much as we are on a skid and I agree with Jeff Ruder, disagree with Inji, it is a skid. They have been so close to pulling out of it and they are getting healthier. I think we have been through the darkest part of our schedule. I think the light gets brighter from here, and I think United does make the playoffs. I also don't think LAFC continues to shit the bed. I think Portland's better than we've seen, and I think hosting a playoff game may be a bridge too far. I'll echo a lot of things Dan said. We make the playoffs. We don't host, or we're, we're in the bottom four. Like We're in probably sixth, seventh, or eighth place at the end of the, end of the year. It would be nice to think that all the games that Dan and I listed, we should win. We win and we get three points from all those. That's not going to happen. We're going to shit the bed and drop, you know, give up two last minute goals, you know, to take a two goal lead and change that to a two, two draw or four, four draw. We're going to do something like that somewhere in there. So I see us getting 12th of, at most 14 points out of these 10 games. And that's not good enough for fourth or better. Yeah. That's Matt. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I, you know, there's, there's definitely, I can see there is a, uh, an opportunity here where, you know, Minnesota does get out a little bit of a run. Maybe they get some momentum. They beat the shit out of FC Cincinnati. You know, they go to Nashville. Maybe they, they smash and grab, take three points there. Maybe they're, you know, they, they do something with Dallas. Maybe they get a draw, and then they get to fire at home with Dynamo at home. Um, Chris Ramirez finally gets to play at Allianz, Allianz Field for the first time. Uh, two year, basically two years after it opened. Uh, you know, and we're looking, we're looking really good, maybe even, you know, sort of top of the, near the top of the table. The thing about, uh, you know, Dallas, Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, those are the three teams that are directly above us in the playoffs uh, standings right now. Houston's sitting in ninth place, but they're only, um, you know, two points off of the last playoff spot. Uh, so all these games, especially these games against the Western Conference teams are going to be six-pointers. And, Dan, yeah, again, your, your point is, is exactly right. If we don't take six points off of Cincinnati, if we don't take, you know, at least seven points between uh, – you know, the Cincinnati – I would say eight points between Cincinnati, Nashville, and Chicago Fire, those four games. 
then we are in a really, I think we're going to be in a really, really precarious position. So uh, I, I also think we make the playoffs. Again, I also believe that, you know, I think the next three games are going to really determine whether we're, gonna, we're actually having a legitimate chance of hosting a playoff game or if we're going to be just trying to scrape, uh, scrape by, sneak in, and, you know, see what we can do uh, in the playoffs. So. Uh, all right, moving along. Uh, for Madison, uh, they played a couple games. They had a week off. Uh, they played two games this past week. Uh, Wednesday, they lost 2-1 to FC Tucson uh, down in Tucson. Uh, they beat the Chattanooga Red Wolves on Saturday, uh, 1-0 victory. The uh, Michael Vang scored the game winner. Um, they are – oh, and then they uh, uh, dropped their Tropical Keeper shirt on uh, Thursday. And who boy, is that uh, – Minneapolis or uh, sorry, Fort Madison doing really really awesome shit. Did you guys see the Tropical Keeper shirt? It has extreme big ultras energy. It does. It's amazing. And yeah. loud and proud like a lot of their kids. For sure, for sure. Uh, and so they are currently in fifth place on fourteen points. Uh, they are six points out of the top, uh, out of the second place. The first place team is like eight points clear of the second place team. So. Um, Madison is – they're not out of the playoffs yet. Only the top two uh, in USL League One are going to make the final. Um, and so they have an opportunity. They're outside looking in right now. It's, it's They got to do – they got to go on a run. But they've been playing a lot of away games. They have a lot of uh, home matches coming up here. So they have an opportunity to make up some ground. So we'll be cheering for Madison going forward. So, uh, MJ, you have a very brief Minneapolis City update. So, as I said last time, they were in the lower league, uh, league E-Cup Battle of the Kits. They made it to the finals. They were going against Space United FC, and they lost. Going into the final minutes, they were up 59 to 41%. And then, lo and behold, the tables get turned, and it ends up being about 60%, 40% votes in favor of Space United FC. There was some fun Twitter banter as usual. You can check it out for yourself. The, the, the best part of it, I thought, was... Minneapolis City said, because the name was uh, Space United, they said, de- you know, hashtag defund NASA, uh, which if you weren't aware that all their social media accounts get mistaken for the city of Minneapolis and a lot of ignorant uh, keyboard warriors want to complain about the city, whether that's trash collection or defund the police or rioting or whatever someone wants to complain, the, you know, the urban development housing plans, you know, they're just, they get tagged for all sorts of shit. So. All right. Uh, okay. So we have a match on Saturday. FC Cincinnati uh, comes to town. Last year when they came to town, we beat the shit out of them seven to one. It was uh, probably the, I think the largest margin of victory ever for Minnesota United FC in their current iteration. Uh, Minnesota United is favored in this match. Uh, they're minus 145. <laughs> FCC is uh, plus 320, and a draw is plus 310. So Vegas definitely thinks that Minnesota United is going to win this game uh, pretty handily as well. So um, let's talk about FCC Cincinnati. Uh, who do they have? Um, they have some guy who looks like a bunch of other guys uh, as their head coach. <laughs> um, that was So I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, I'm sure you all remember, but if you're listening to this podcast – when they announced Yap Stam as the uh, manager, uh, they put a picture of a different person. 
from the Dutch and bald, but that's where the similarities lie. You know, yeah. end. To be fair, they looked they looked similar enough where if you if you were not Cincinnati's social media person, I could see making that mistake. If you're FC Cincinnati's, uh, FC Cincinnati's social media person, making that mistake is a is a particularly egregious egregious mistake. So, um, anybody anybody have any thoughts on Yapstam? Uh, he's not racist, which makes him a big upgrade over the previous coach. Uh, the on-field results haven't quite caught up. Um, they scored a, a robust two goals in September. Um, so they're clearly not great on the attack, uh, which is weird. I, I Coming out of the bubble, I was not high on this team, but I thought they were going to be better than they are. I like Frankie Amaya, the first, uh, former first overall pick. I like Yuya Kubo. Uh, Jurgen Lokadia was their big money signing uh, from the EPL this year, and just kind of nothing has come together for him. So they're another team where the talent is there, and if United go in thinking they're going to roll and not taking the game seriously, then they could end up on the backside of a 3-0, 3-1, extremely embarrassing defeat. Yeah, th- their central midfield with uh, Amaya and uh, Medujaman and Cruz as kind of their attacking playmaker, it's decent. And one thing we've kind of talked about in previous podcasts is do managers give the team an identity or a direction? And under Yap Stalem, you can definitely see his blueprints, right? You can see what they're trying to do, which is, I would say, an improvement over previous, I've lost count of how many uh, managers FC Cincinnati has had in its brief history in MLS. But so there's been improvements. We still should kick the snot out of them. Yeah. Um, I guess the other person that we did really mention, um, how, uh, you know, that's, I'm not even going to dignify it. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, you're right. They've going to make a Nigel de Young joke about seam de Young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, so just looking at they're they're an interesting team because they've alternatively looked um, fairly stout defensively uh, with um, bouts of just giving up four goals to NYCFC uh, or Columbus or Chicago, or, you know, three goals to Chicago. Um, they have a bunch of 0-0 draws, a bunch of, uh, you know, 2-1, one nothing matches. So, yeah, to think that Minnesota – I mean, I, I hope Minnesota doesn't think they're just going to come in and stomp the shit out of them. Um, I just don't think that is going to be the way that this game is going to work out. It, it won't work out well in Minnesota's favor if they think that they really need to to uh, put the pedal on the metal here and, uh, and go after uh, Cincinnati. So uh, that leads us to the next question is, uh, how should United play? Uh, how should United play FC Cincinnati? And uh, Dan, let's start with you. I think the big thing is that they need to make Cincinnati defend for 90 minutes. Um, Minnesota United clearly does best when they're, they're playing on the counterattack. And I don't think that's necessarily a losing strategy against FC Cincinnati, but this is a team that does not go forward all that effectively. And United needs to take advantage of that, you know, run a high press. If you can, if you assume that you can keep the line, because the last thing you want to do is give up a, a long ball to Locati over the top. Uh, but don't, don't let them get a foothold in the match. Start with a, a ton of energy. I mean, this might be a great match to, to start some of the depth we've been talking about, 
and tell them you are coming off at halftime and it has no bearing on your performance. We just run yourself and your defender into the ground uh, and essentially do what they did last year and just start piling goals on early, take Cincinnati out of the game. About Raheem and Thomas Jacona just telling them to run, just fucking run, track meet style. <laughs> uh, I, like okay. I like that game plan, Dan. I would say, really, for this game, even though Real Salt Lake, uh, you know, it was a nil-nil, it seems like we don't need to work on defense. I mean, we're playing kind of a similar team that hasn't really found their attacking prowess yet and so this is a good time to shore up defensive discipline which this team has lacked and so if we can get behind the ball see all the attacking players coming at us take good in order to spring the counter win the ball back and do that in a disciplined way do that in a way that we can sometimes maybe double team a ball uh, dribbler or just contain rather than running at and trying to get in that person's face and let that person dribble around you, you know, do not over pursue. And if we could work on maybe some defensive basics, Mm -hmm. that would make me really happy. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, one of the things that that – I believe Michael Boxall and Adrian Heath uh, have mentioned in the uh, post-match interviews yesterday is that there hasn't been a ton of cons- consistency with this, with the, with the same players. So I, you know, I would like to maybe, you know, if you want to try your four through three again, run out the four through three with the same, the same players again. Right. Um, and let them give them another, you know, say 60 minutes or so to like get used to that. If that is, if that is the system that you want to play more consistent, more consistently, like once when the same players play again, um, I don't necessarily think it's deserved. But when it's Adrian Heath, we throw everything out the window because who the fuck knows? So, um, but yeah, I think I think Dan ultimately I think you're right. I think we need to just attack, attack, attack. The Cincinnati defense is very vulnerable, um, in spite of the fact that they've they've had a couple of clean sheets, uh, several clean sheets. As a matter of fact, um, they can they can be torn to shreds. And once you get that first goal, they tend to just sort of start flying in after that. So getting that first goal early is kind of, the, I think, the key to Minnesota. Um, as Adrian Heath always says, goals change games. Right, boys? So goals change games. So, all right. So I think we all know where we're all going, but let's just confirm it. Um, I have Minnesota United winning. MJ, you got Minnesota United winning this game? Minnesota United. 3-0. I like it. I'm also taking Minnesota United, which scares me, because I think I've been wrong every game since uh, the bubble in Orlando. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, all right, guys, uh, that pretty much wraps us up. Anything else, anything I forgot or anything you wanted to uh, to mention? Do you want to plug the Premier League pod at all? Oh, yeah, sure. So on the Patreon, if you uh, uh, are – if you're a Patreon member, you should, you should have got an email uh, – two emails in your inbox in the last couple of weeks, one with the Victory Podcast and one with our uh, podcast, our Bundesliga preview, which was actually – we were pretty prescient in the Bundesliga preview because we both, all three of us on that podcast, predicted that David Wagner would be the first uh, Bundesliga coach to get fired, and he was fired less than three days after we recorded that podcast. So, um, Schalke, good on us. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he, he had not done really well with Schalke. Um, and then, uh, 
the other, the Austrian, one of the Austrians from Mainz was uh, was just fired uh, yesterday, I believe, or today. Um, hey, I mentioned both of those guys. Yes, MJ was the kiss of death on that. Can you can you uh, put that juju on uh, Adrian Heath for me, please? Uh, <laughs> get him fired. So, and then yeah, we're, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, Dan and I just draw a, a recorded a podcast, uh, just recapping very briefly the EPL so far. Um, we're gonna maybe try to do that a, a couple times this year. Um, so yeah, we'll look forward to that for Patreons. Uh, all right, well guys, this is great. Thank you so much. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Uh, daysino.com uh, again patreon.com slash the days i know uh, always follow us at tdikmn on twitter i'm at texas zeller dan's at d wade mj is at mj matsui uh bill who will be back with us eventually um at bill underscore mcguire i think once the weather turns he'll be back uh in the cities unless you have a, a plot of land in new mexico and a energy and, and a water hookup uh, let us know because we'll we'll direct Bill McGuire to you. But more like we'll have Bill, Bill McGuire back on the podcast here when it gets uh, more cooler out. So thanks to everybody for listening. Me the names you know, this is the names. to try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at As long as you do yours, land here become fleet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Do the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.